Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loyal, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East on this, the third Sunday of Lent, the third Sunday of the Great Fast. The music you heard was, of course, the solemn Jesus Prayer, one of the hallmarks of Eastern Christian spirituality, sung by Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish Choir of Homer Glen, Illinois, which I am, of course, the pastor. And what you heard was the chant, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner which was a chant form of a famous prayer that was developed in Eastern monasticism called the Jesus Prayer. In fact, the Jesus Prayer is often done by means of a prayer rope, which would look to many Catholics like a rosary. It's actually usually, technically, in its most traditional form, it's made of a single cord. It's actually a woven, it's actually, they were actually woven beads, really, made of a single cord. And at the end of what appeared to be a rosary, in other words, the ring of beads woven by the single cord, there is a cross, and the cross is sort of tufted at the ends. In other words, it's kind of like soft and sort of uh, almost looks like a, like a feather. And this all comes from the cord. And again, the reason for this is that when the person prays this Jesus prayer, since it's a prayer primarily of repentance, it's kind of a focusing, a centering type prayer where you center on Jesus Christ in a very deep and intimate way by the continued repetition of the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And as we do so, ideally, and this would happen to a lot of the great saints and monks in the Eastern Church, you would be moved to tears of repentance because you would have such a clear image as a result of this deep prayer, a clear and intimate image or sense of the 
holiness of Christ, of God, and who we are in relation to God, that one would be moved to tears of repentance. And this little tufted ends of the woven cross on the Jesus prayer rope would be used to wipe the tears from your eyes. And in fact, many of the saints in the Eastern Church were known to have the gift of tears. See, in the Eastern Church, some of the great gifts or hallmarks of the saints, especially the mystics, were things like being radiated with light, you know, the light of Tabor, the light of Christ, this this sort of glow they would have around them. Or they would also have sometimes the gift of tears. In the West, you had things like the stigmata. It was not so common in the East. What was more common in the East is this sense of being people of light, of in a sense they would these saints would glow. And they, of course they would have special powers too, oftentimes, of being able to heal the sick and so on. But they would use the Jesus prayer as one of the staple prayers of, of their day. In fact, many times they would say this prayer almost constantly throughout the day, using oftentimes this prayer rope, one sort of beat at a time with that prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in fact, they would even synchronize it with their breathing, breathing in and out according to the different phrases. They would focus on an image of Christ, either from an icon and carrying that image in their head, and eventually, in its deepest form, you focus basically on nothing. In other words, you just have, in a sense, no image at all. In other words, nothing but the sheer presence of Christ, that sheer mystical awareness of Christ as you Say these words with your breath over and over again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Not only is it a great penitential prayer, but the Jesus prayer as it's known, and sometimes the prayer beads are known in the East not as a rosary per se, but as a prayer rope or a chotki. There's several names for it, but chotki or prayer rope, Jesus prayer beads are the most common names. But as they're used in the East for repentance, they're also used as a way of being mindful of Jesus all day long, and especially in times of temptation, in times when we feel the passions kind of rising up, whether it's going to be anger or jealousy, gluttony, lust, whatever it is, the Jesus prayer is used to ward off those passions. And in fact, it really is effective, I have to admit. And I, that's why I share it with you, especially if you're really serious about Lent. And as we have come to this midpoint of Lent, I invite you to consider the Jesus prayer. Because the name of Jesus has power in itself. So that's the whole point of the prayer. That's why it focuses on the name Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. That name itself on our lips, on our mind, on our breath, literally scares away the devil. That's how powerful the very name of Jesus is. How holy is the name of the Lord. And that's why the great saints of the Eastern Church, especially the ascetics, the monks, would use this word, this name, over and over again. It has great power. It centers you into Christ. It centers you into yourself, really. It invites you to take a very honest look at your sinful self and also the honest look at the Christ within you. It calms you. It focuses you. It brings everything back to a kind of a base. And it really is a calming thing, although it's not used just to calm down. It's not like a tranquilizer, but it does have that effect because it puts things in order. And so it brings about that inner peace. And we talk about peace in spirituality. We're not talking about just a kind of a pleasant well-being, that we're not frenzied or chaotic. We're talking about an inner, deep kind of congruency with God and with God's creation. It's something that is really kind of indescribable, kind of is greater than some of its parts, as is so much of spirituality. So we strive for and achieve this a kind of a inner peace by use of this prayer, the Jesus prayer. Very, very handy kind of thing to use throughout the day, but especially in this time of the penitential season. 
So why not try it? You can get a Jesus Prayer Rope at many different bookstores that supply Eastern Christian items. Sometimes local Eastern parishes have them for sale in their bookstores. But you can get the prayer rope, or maybe you can even use your rosary. For those of you who have rosaries, you can even use the rosary. You can pray the Virgin Mary and the rosary, of course, obviously, but also you can use it to pray directly to Jesus Christ using the Jesus prayer, because both the rosary and the Jesus prayer rope are very similar in their construction. So the point is not so much the construction of the beads itself, of the rosary itself. I mean, that's obviously it's an instrument. What's important, though, is the kind of focus of the prayer and the depth of the prayer and the depth of intimacy that has arrived at the repetitive, focused pronunciation of the very word of Christ put upon the very rhythm of our breathing. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. During this third week of the fast in the Eastern churches, this is a day of, classically, of bright sadness, because we use this term bright sadness in the Eastern churches to describe Lent. This paradox comes to a high point at this time of year, at this time of the Lenten season, the great fast. The high point is where we take the cross, an image of the cross, decorate it richly. It is taken in procession, is held up in front of the people, and then is placed in the center of the church where everyone comes to venerate it and bow before it. Now, there's two times when we do this during the liturgical calendar of Eastern Church. One of those times is on September 14th, which is the exaltation of the cross, which is a feast day shared also by our Latin Rite brethren as well. So the whole church east and west celebrates the, it's really it's the finding of the true cross on September 14th. But on the third Sunday of Lent, we once again venerate the cross, and it's not so much the exaltation, the finding of an exaltation, as it is a kind of a encouragement, a kind of a sign or symbol that kind of gives us that paradoxical purpose of our Lenten practice, where it is the death of our passionate selves, our disordered passions, the death as symbolized by the cross, but it also is an opening, our opening to new life, to becoming a new person as a result of our dying to self, dying to our disordered self. And so the cross has that duo kind of meaning. It's both a sadness and a brightness all at the same time. And basically, it's kind of like a banner that we put up in front of us that sort of goads us on. We realize that it is towards the cross that we are moving. We're on pilgrimage. And that cross, as horrific as it was, is at the very same time. Here again, we have that meaning point of paradox. At the very same time, it is a glorious thing. It is a means of our salvation. It is the great union, the great consummation of the mystical marriage between Christ, the bridegroom, the new Adam, and his bride, the church, with his mother being the new Eve, where he turns to her and says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. The cross, of course, is commemorated and entered into during the sacrifice of the liturgy or the mass, and along with that, of course, the resurrection of Christ. So the cross is a bright sadness. And so we put it out in front of us, we meditate upon what happened there, but also its meaning, the why behind it of why it happened, and also its ultimate fruits or its effect. In other words, the redemptive character of the cross. And so that's why we venerate it. We richly decorate it in our churches. We have a beautiful opening ceremony to the liturgy, or sometimes it's done at matins, where the cross is brought before the people, held up, the people bow before it, everyone comes and venerates it while we sing the many chants and hymns having to do with the veneration of the cross. This is the third Sunday of Lent I mentioned. We're halfway through, so hopefully you're going to kind of tighten up your belt a little bit. Hopefully your belt is getting tighter because you're probably losing some weight if you are embracing the fast very faithfully. (laughs) 
You're going to tighten your belt and, and kind of take a deep breath and plunge forward for the second half of the Lenten season, this season of the great fast, the bright sadness. We're going to talk more about it when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I invite you to Tabor Life Presents Married Life, as you always dreamed it could be, a retreat for married couples. Friday through Sunday, March 12th through the 14th, at the Scenic Carriage House at the Harbor Bed and Breakfast on the shores of Lake Michigan in the charming town of South Haven, Michigan. You may ask, how can this retreat help my marriage? This retreat will be an immersion into the why behind our being a man and a woman, and therefore what our legitimate needs are as man and woman. And this and only this is what leads us to that intimacy that all couples ultimately desire. Married life as you always dreamed it could be. In this incredibly romantic setting, your $500 investment per couple includes champagne breakfast, meals, except dinner on Saturday, snacks, and the presentation. For complete details and registration, go to TaborLife.org. That's T-A-B-O-R Life.org. Married life as you always dreamed it could be. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. And now, a special Lenten invitation from Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. There's a magnificent service that we pray in our church during the fifth week of Lent. It's called the service of the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete. This service is of timeless duration, but we invite you to experience any part of it throughout the night. There will also be an opportunity for confession. And if you stay for any part of this service, I guarantee you, you'll start to be moved to want to go to confession. It's a profound, profound journey into the whole phenomenon of repentance. As you walk through the Bible with all the Bible verses, the beautiful chants, the prostrations. It's just this incredible journey you enter into. We also invite seminarians and theologians to the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete, starting at 7, Thursday evening, March 18th, at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Complete details on the events link at byzantinecatholic.com. Okay, welcome back to Light of the East, where we are entering that midpoint of the Lenten journey, that journey to the end of the bright sadness. And if you want to submerge yourself even more deeply into it, really experience the soul, the real, the real thing when it comes to the asceticism of the Eastern Church, its mystery of fasting, the way we embrace it with such seriousness, I invite you to come to my church, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, on Thursday, March 18th, starting at 7 o'clock. You're going to enter into this great journey into bright sadness, what we call the Great Canon of St. Andrew of Crete. Now, this is a service that is done during the first week of Lent in increments throughout the week. But on the fifth week of Lent, it is done on Thursday in its entirety altogether, which means the service will begin at 7 and will go on for several hours. Now, don't be intimidated. I'm not expecting you to come and stay the entire time. You're entirely welcome to. But just experience as much of it as you can, you would like, that you feel called to. 
because it's also a service that is very mystical. It is very biblical. It literally is a veritable walk through the Bible by means of an ancient and hauntingly beautiful chant. And it has as one of its featured elements the famous full-body prostrations that are used in the Eastern churches, especially during the Lenten season, during the penitential season. This is where we go all the way to the floor, touch our head to the ground, our forehead to the ground, come back up during the sign of the cross. And we do this after each of the verses from the scripture that we chant. And throughout the night, when the night is over, when this service is done in its entirety, we basically probably would have done a few hundred prostrations. Now, again, I don't expect you to do that, although you're perfectly welcome to. But I do invite you to at least experience this kind of unique experience of repentance. There will be priests available for confession during the evening, too. So you might want to make it like a, like a mini evening pilgrimage or retreat for yourself. If nothing else, you'll be experiencing another part of the deep, deep soul of the Eastern Church, which is part of the purpose of our program here, is to make known the riches of the Eastern Church so as to edify the whole church, and also to provide some direction and answer and gifts to the whole world. So consider that, March 18th in my parish, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. By the way, I want to say hello to all of our listeners out there, especially those who might be joining us for the first time after meeting me recently at the National Catholic Singles Conference in San Antonio, Texas. I gave the keynote talk. It was based on the theology of the body, but I met a number of you who said you do hear our program. And also some of you who may be tuning in for the first time as a result of coming to meet me and hear about this program at the Catholic Singles Conference. So again, welcome to all of you. And I want to thank all of you for any of your donations and support, your letters, your kind letters and support that you've offered to us here at Light of the East. And we do need that. We need both things. We need your support. We also, above all, love to know that you are listening to us. We love to hear your comments. So let us hear from you. We enjoy you very, very much. As we move through Lent... And we are entering into more and more the sense of Christ, of becoming more and more like Christ, of entering into his mystery, this mystery of Christ. We want to keep in mind something, that Lent, with all of its glorious disciplines, especially the Eastern Church, from prostrations to fasting to increased prayer to increased biblical reading to increased worship services, and above all, to increased charity— We want to remember that these are not just disciplines that we're doing as an obligation. We sort of do them for a time. We kind of, as I said before, sort of tighten our belt and kind of dig in there and kind of grit the teeth and really pull off some great ascetical disciplines and then kind of go back to that stuff with relief on Easter. Yes, we do return to certain things on Easter, and we do so with great, great joy and solemnity, especially with those famous Pascha or Easter baskets in which we bring to the church all those foods that we fasted from, all those fatty, festive foods that we fasted from, you know, the cheeses and the sausages and the hams and the eggs, oh, that's just so wonderful. We bring those things to the church, they're blessed, and then we partake of those things after all the services on Easter Sunday. Yes, we do return to some of those things. However, we return to them with a renewed appreciation, a renewed spirit, a more sacramental appreciation of these things. In other words, we don't just go back to them to indulge and to go back to our old selves. When we come to Easter Sunday, as a result of the Lenten disciplines, we're supposed to look back at ourselves, kind of like we stop on Easter and look back and say, yeah, that's right. I am a little bit different person than I was when Lent began. I am more disciplined in this or that area. I am more in control, as it were, of my passions. I don't let my little wants and desires and passions, whatever they are, whether that's anger or greed, lust, whatever it is, we no longer let those things have a power over us. 
or certainly less of a power over us than they did before Lent started. We have a renewed appreciation of food. We look at food not in a gluttonous way, but in a way in which we see it sacramentally. We appreciate every morsel. Every morsel is special. It tastes so much richer. It is a much richer experience because we partake of foods more mindfully, more mind, sort of the mind of the, of the, or the eye of our heart. That's why we fast from these things. We fast to regain our proper vision of these things, not just because they're bad or it's some kind of a spiritually athletic thing that we do, and then we're, we're done and relieved when it's over so we can go back to it and say, gee, I did it. Boy, that, I did Lent. I, you know, I did Lent. We don't do that. Rather, we step back so as to renew our vision of these things, to see them in the way that God sees them, the way he wants us to see them, that is sacramentally. An egg on Easter Sunday is not just an egg. It's one of the most wonderful things you can bite into, and you do so with great care and great mindfulness. And that's how God wants us to see everything he's created. Everything in the created order gets restored in our eyes. In other words, its original dignity, its vision, its sacramentality gets restored. And we arrive at that restored view by sort of stepping back from these things and appreciating them anew, even from the fact that we miss them. You know, when you're away from something for a long time, you really do appreciate their value and you really enjoy it when you come back to it, whether it's a person or a food or whatever it is that you may have abstained from during the Lenten season. It can be all kinds of things. But we renew those things. We see them more sacramentally, more maturely. And also, we now have a stronger will. We can now be more judicious in how we approach those things. We are freer, as it were, freer to choose something or to choose against it. In other words, to have that piece of food or not to have it. We're not driven to have it. Oh, I can't wait till Easter comes so I can eat again because I just love chocolate so much. Not that. Also, on the other levels, we can feel foul words coming to our lips, you know, against the person who just cut us off in traffic. You know, we can feel the words tumbling to our tongue of road rage, but we are also free enough as a result of Lent to choose not to let those words materialize on our lips and tongue, but rather perhaps a prayer for that person who cut us off in traffic. This is the kind of thing I mean. Now apply that to relationships. Apply it to the environment, to every part of our being. Apply it to the way We deal with our finances. Well, that's a big one, isn't it? That's much needed today in our debt-ridden society. Our debt-ridden society comes from the fact that we do not have a mastery over our passions. We want what we want when we want it. Well, Lent helps us to even bring our sense of money and stewardship back into focus. Again, where we are freer people. See, a free person is not a person who does whatever they want. It's not a person driven by their passions. It's a person who can choose very judiciously in any moment what is best, and they're free to do that. They have the power to choose against what is not as good, or it might even be injurious. See, that's the freedom that Lent brings us. It's sort of a telescoping kind of freedom, where what we started in Lent continues to have effects, like a telescope, you know, one part moving off the other. As we grow and divinize, as they say in the Eastern Church, we grow and in, in divinize. We become more and more these radiant images of Jesus Christ by means of a discipline, by means of the prayer, by means of the increased charity. The idea always is that we are transformed, we're different. 
We just didn't accomplish something during Lent. We gave something up, and that makes us a good person, and God should be happy with us. I mean, it's okay. I'm sure he is, but it's not the point of it. The point is that the, these disciplines change us, and we may, maybe we'll never go back to those things again. Sometimes that happens. Can you believe it? Especially ladies. You may never, ever have chocolate again. You just may not want to. It may not just interest you as much. I know that sounds unbelievable, but sometimes it does happen. Sometimes we don't go back to those things, or we go back to them with such judiciousness, with such discipline, that it's very freeing. It's very mature, in a sense. It really puts you very much at peace. You become a person is much more whole again, truly a person then of the resurrection. So as we move through Lent, let's be encouraged as we look at the cross, the great paradox of the cross, the bright sadness of the cross, as cross that tells us that the key to life is dying to self and rising to our truest self to serve others. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI Catholic Radio International.com